How does one find harmony in a big city? How can someone create good vibes and pass them on to others? These are the questions JJ is looking to answer. A yoga and wellness expert from New York, living in Paris, JJ seeks out creatives and entrepreneurs who exemplify this savoir vivre and shares their vision of how to live a good life. So today we're here with Lily Barbary. Thank you for joining us here at Saya. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, I'd like to begin to talk about your roots. Um, where are you from? Tell me a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your your childhood. Uh, okay, so I was born in Orléans, which is a city not very far from Paris, and um, I grew up there um, up to my 14, like when I was 14 years old, I moved um, into Paris. Okay. A childhood that was kind of complicated with parents uh, who divorced and who got separated when I was quite young. Um, my father lived in Canada, so I used to go and see him while he was in Canada every summer. Um, and I would travel back and forth uh, and anytime it was possible for me to do this with my brother. And um, when we moved uh, in Paris, I didn't know like anyone. I was very sad to leave my hometown because uh, my father died when I was 13 okay. and my mother didn't find any reason to stay in that city anymore. She didn't really like uh, my hometown and she... She had more friends and family around Paris, so she she decided for her like you know to move in a city where she had more roots, uh, which was something that I could not understand back when I was a teenager because I had to leave like my my high school yeah, and you know well, the, the junior high anyway. So um, I moved in Paris and I was lucky enough to find new friends uh, quite fast and to make friends. I fell in love with that city in a few years and now I, I mean, it's been 28 years now. Wow. <laughs> so it's been a while. Um, and uh, in school, I mean, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, I, I had a lot of different of interests and hobbies, but I wasn't passionate about one thing only, and I was very envious of the people who knew exactly what they wanted to be to do because right. I I liked to draw, I liked to sing, I liked to, um, I mean, I could do a lot of different things. Um, but I thought I was not like excellent in one thing only. Got it. Um, and so I was multitasking all the time, and anytime people would ask me like, you know, what do you want to do? I had so many ideas that I could not answer, like, you know, a final answer uh, that would fit with me. So um, because I wasn't, I wasn't so sure, I went um, to live abroad. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to Ireland for a year. Um, Why Ireland? Because I had a boyfriend there. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I was, um, when I was babysitting, uh, well, I was babysitting a lot to pay for my Irish trips to go to Ireland when Got I was uh, like 17, 18 and uh, I was uh, hosted by an Irish family that was absolutely amazing and uh, then when I was 18 I decided to go and study in Ireland for a year before starting my studies in France. Okay. So I did this and I learned a lot. First I learned English because my English wasn't so good at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also learned how to manage a budget, uh, to live on my own, to share yeah, flats. So that was like, I learned a lot during that year. Um, and when I 
came back home, I mean, I had to, um, I had to start studying something and I, I was still in the same struggle. Like, what do I want to do? Cause I just, I, I gained time, like, you know, being in Ireland, but I knew at some point I had to start something that was really interesting for me. And because I didn't have that much idea, I went for English literature uh, because I had studied English. I mean, I could speak English. So I thought like, you know, this is easy. I'll just go uh, for college and studying like, you know, uh, English literature and English civilization. So I did this for four years um, and I kind of, I really liked it. Uh, I discovered that I had like, that I wasn't the student I thought I would be. Mm -hmm. um, I was a, like a very um, hard worker. Like, uh, and I had never been like this before. I did this for a few years, but then again, I felt bored and I didn't know what to do because there were only two things that I could do after this right. was either teaching or translating. And both of these jobs did not, were not my passion. So I didn't know. And all of a sudden, um, I decided that I could take a year off, like to start like, doing some singing classes. So I did this, I did a singing school, like uh, doing jazz music for a year. Okay. And you see, so my, like, when I look back, uh, all of this is serving me now. But at that time, like, you know, I was like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah, I have no feel? plan. Did you feel really frustrated by this? I felt frustrated. I felt like the one who doesn't know what she wants to do and who doesn't have that one talent, that one gift that you're so gifted, you know that you have to right. do, like, to go for it. So... I was really confused, but at the same time, I was happy to learn, like, you know, as many things. I think I'm a very curious person, and anytime there's something that I want to know more about, I can, I could really go for it, like, you know, for, like, two years, and once I have the feeling that I've learned everything that I could learn about, then I feel bored again, and I need to find something new. Um, so, um, while I was in my singing school, uh, I was looking for a part-time job, and, um... I like I had worked as a part-timer like at Gap in the Gap stores when they settled in Paris in many different places. I went to Colette, uh, the concept store, uh, and um, a friend of mine who had worked at Gap with me was serving water at the water bar, oh, wow. like, you know, downstairs. Yeah, of course. And I was like, what are you doing here? Like, he was um, such a good student uh, in an engineer school. And, and he was like, yeah, I'm like... I mean, between two trainings or uh, I've, I've just finished my studies, but at the same time, I haven't found a job that I really want to do. So I'm working here and I was like, oh, amazing. And it was my first time or so in Colette. Like, you know, maybe I had been there two or three times before, but like, you know, and I didn't know much about fashion. It yeah. Did you get it? Well, I knew about it because I had read, like I used to, I have a subscription to the French L magazine. Mm -hmm. So every week I would read like, you can find this at Colette yeah. and, you know, only at Colette or exclusive right. to Colette. And so this is how I knew the, the place. But to be honest, it was very mysterious to me. I, I didn't know what was this world about. And when I got in, I was very impressed with the they sell people who had like, you know, so much style and I wasn't stylish at all. I was just wearing a pair of jeans and a white pair, of white t-shirt, just like the way I'm dressed today. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't changed much. Um, but fashion wasn't a part of your life. It wasn't like a no, part of your childhood. You never no, thought no, about no. it. Well, 
Of course, I've always loved fashion. I used to look at the fashion shows, you know, uh, every six months when they were on TV. And uh, I used to think when I was like maybe eight or ten, oh, I might become a, a fashion designers, designer. But it was more about drawing, like, you know, uh, clothes in school rather than really having a vision. Like, you know, I, I didn't have any vision about fashion. It was more something that we shared in the 80s. Like all of the girls wanted to become a fashion right. designer because it was just something cool to do. Right. Um, so anyway, he introduced me to Colette herself, the owner. Okay. Um, and he said like, you know, she, you know, she's looking for some people. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, you could start like working here like tomorrow if you want, because she's looking for some more people uh, to help her, like, you know, for the retail. And I was like, well, I don't know, because I'm not wearing the right clothes and I don't even know, like, you know, what, what should I say? And he said, like, come with me. Uh, she likes me, so I'm just going to introduce you to her and you'll just see how it goes. And so this is just like one minute after I was backstage, like, you know, well, backstage in... In, in the little couloir or whatever, exactly. wherever she was. And she was, um, she was putting some clothes back, um, you know, in, in the stores. And, and, and she said to me, so you want to work with me? And I said, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. And, 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 and I said, well, I, Guillaume told me that you are looking for some people. And she said, okay, so you'll start tomorrow. And she didn't have any question. She just looked at me and, and this is how she used to hire people. Like, you know, she would feel something. She's very intuitive. And uh, she just thought like, you know, we'll just try. So you come tomorrow. And she said, what's your name? I said, my name is Lisa. And she said, oh, there's another Lisa in the, in the store. Do you have a nickname or do you have a second name that we could use? Because or else like we're going to be mixing you all the time. And I said, um, well, there's a lot of people who call me Lily. And she said, oh, Lily is fine. So let's see each other tomorrow, Lily. And huh? that was it. And so she actually changed my name. <laughs> so in 24 hours, you went from not really being like so interested in fashion to being Lily working at the coolest store in Paris. Yeah. Um, but it, you see, I didn't take it so seriously because I mean, it wasn't part of my plan or of my dream. My dream at that time was to be a famous singer. That okay. was a dream. Like, you know, that was a dream to be a jazz singer or something like this. But to be honest, like Colette was a good way for me at that time in my head to make money mm -hmm. uh, and to learn, like to, to learn more. And so um, I started there. I didn't expect to have so much fun. Like, you know, those years were, I mean, we were a whole family of people of the same age. The store, like, you know, was just starting, but it had so much success immediately. And we had everything to build on a communication level, on every level. And the store didn't have that much money to spend on communication, advertising. Of course, it never did any advertising. And, right. and so that was at the very end of the 90s. Um, and so we had to invent everything. And we were young. We didn't have any kids. We had time. We had passion. So, and everything was new, you know, the brands that we were selling, they were new. No one had heard of them. So we had to get trained to know more about the brands. And those brands had not been bought by big groups yet. So it was just a, a whole different world of like, um, and it wasn't like people always um, say that Colette was really snob 
or that was just for yeah. rich people, which wasn't true because there were a lot of um, of, of things that were quite cheap uh, in the store. It wasn't just about having something rich. It was something or something expensive. It was it was more about like trying to offer something that didn't exist yep. at the time. Which is actually what I used to go to Colette for. I would always come at, when, at Christmas time, I would go and I would buy, I would just go to the front counter. Yeah, front and, counter was amazing. And I have like a collection of lighters that I just, because I loved mm. these little things yeah, that Colette did. Yeah. But it's, it is true. But then I would also hear so many people say, oh, they're told to be mean mm. and they're told to be this. Mm. And it's interesting to hear that from the backside, it mm. was not that. No, it was never like that. And Colette, for instance, she she used to hate when she saw that like some 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 of her staff were not being nice okay. uh, to people. She would really come to you and say like, you know, you cannot treat people that way. You're not treating anyone like this. And uh, quite quickly, she offered me another position, um, and she she needed help in the office to um, assist her daughter Sarah. Uh, who was the creative director of the store and who to assist also um, the PR at the time uh, who was working there and who was uh, Sarah's very good friend and I didn't know uh, like I didn't know anything about their jobs like about what they were doing I, I didn't know what was a PR I wow. didn't know like you know how it works for the press I had no idea but then I think I could speak English, I was polite, I was nice, and I was quite passionate about the whole thing. And I was happy to be there and to be chosen to do some more. So, of course, I said yes, okay. And um, so I started, like, helping on organizing events or on, like, writing press releases, on hosting journalists in the store. And it was, like, from a Japanese TV team that would come and, uh, like trying to make them feel comfortable in the store, but making sure that they would not communicate about something that you didn't want them to communicate about. And at the same time, it was like hosting French journalists, um, like from a culture um, magazine, uh, to tell them about the exhibition that we had in. So I met so many people during those years, like, you know, from, like from artists, um, creators and seeing like celebrities who would come to the store. It was an amazing time. Uh, we would joke at the time, like in between the retail people, the staff, like, you know, Madonna is in the store. So we would all rush in the store. She wasn't there. It was a, a running joke. The time that when she came, actually, when she actually came to the store and she was really there, like, you know, so we all told each other, like, Madonna is there. Yeah, 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 right. Like, you know, how many times yeah, you right. told me, yeah, I, I'm not going. And, but she's really here, okay? So I ran to the store, I actually saw her car, like, you know, driving at the <gasps> store. I was actually so mad to myself. But then I saw so many people at that time that I really admired. Like, I was such a great fan in the 90s of uh, Winona Ryder. Mm -hmm. She was like uh, the, the 90s icon. Yeah, of and, course. Um, I think I had seen Reality Bites, the film, maybe a hundred or two hundred times in a row and uh, so seeing her at this drawer the whole thing was crazy for a 20 year old kid kid that I was at the time like you know I was in my 20s after that like after Colette um and how did you manage to stay grounded at that time because I can imagine to be part of um such a movement and such a a cool thing how did you remain um balanced and sane. I don't think that I was that grounded I think that uh, I was 
I mean, I was happy to do it, but I was also like, uh, <laughs> okay, full of shit at that time, uh, thinking that it was very important because I was doing this. So I don't think that I was that grounded. I was like, to be really honest, I was happy. Um, I was very tired at the same time because we were working like crazy and we had, I had no attach to stop working. Like, you know, I had no kid, I had no boyfriend at that time. So it was just like, you know, working, working, working. Um, but yeah, sometimes I felt really important because of right. what I maybe was Maybe it fulfilled a little bit of that void that you were like, I'm not good at anything. And you're like, wait, maybe I am good at something. Exactly. I am good at something. Exactly. And uh, I've changed a lot, but I, I, I still have a lot of... Uh, compassion for the kid I was at that time of course uh, and I think I was a bit lost in that world that I did not really fit in and uh, because to be honest it wasn't the thing that I really wanted to do in the first place but I got so I mean I was I was so happy with having clothes that I never thought I could buy myself I was so happy with like you know having some importance and having some uh, value for some people that you know I kind of mixed everything together uh, but I wasn't aware of all of this like you know it took me years to understand like you know how lost I was at that time but I, I still have good memories of, of that time and I have so much uh, recognition and love for Sarah and Colette who are amazing people and who really gave me some work ethic and um, and still, like the way I work today, the way I organize things is still really, like you know, I I, I owe them a lot. After a few years of being a PR uh, at Colette and then with that other girl, uh, I decided that I was sick of of doing this, that mm -hmm. it wasn't my life, and I felt like. I thought, okay, I'm going to do something more artistic. And I had written a sort of one-women show uh, that okay. I, I wanted to do this on stage, but I wasn't really brave enough to do it. But I had written it, and I had, like, you know, again, a lot of uh, art projects that were coming up, like, you know, going back to singing, mm -hmm. doing something with this. But um, before I had started, like, planning anything... French Vogue called me and said, like, so I heard that like, you're leaving, but what are you going to be doing? And I said, uh, I don't know. I think I'm just going to, I don't know, do some theater thing. And and they were like, okay, but like, you know, beauty wise, what are you going to be doing? And I was like, I don't know. And they said, like, you know, because we're looking for someone uh, wow. to write beauty columns. And I was like, uh, I had never thought, like, you know, it just it hadn't crossed my mind working for French Vogue. It wasn't even something that I could uh, have imagined. So um, so she said, so, do you want to have lunch with me and, and we can discuss this? And I thought, okay. And before having lunch with her, I decided that I could maybe write something for her so that she could see what were my writing skills. Right. And because my husband is a graphic designer, I asked him to do a sort of a design that would look like a real... Vogue Columns. page, yes. yeah. So uh, I I came to that appointment with those uh, pages that I had written just Incredible. to give her an idea. What did you write about? Uh, bras. So it's funny because I, so I had written something about the 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 bros 
guru and and all the things that i could see in los angeles like you know uh those people that were paid like a lot of money just to take care of like the celebrities and their brows and you know so so that was funny uh and the other article i can't remember but i, I remember that that first one and i was very um, proud of myself for the title and the uh, that I had found, I think it was called like l'empreinte animale, so the <laughs> animal print on your face, you know. Oh my gosh, that's so, good. Um, so anyway, I gave that and she, I think she liked it because she offered me to start like writing for French Vogue quite immediately, like, you know, one week after I was writing like my first article for French Vogue and uh, I didn't have any clue about what I was doing, but I had some writing skills. I had been writing like, you know, in college and also at Colette, I used to write a lot of press releases, both in French and in English for like the international press. So, I mean, it was quite, quite easy for me to be writing at college. And this is why everything is always useful. At college, I was doing um, uh, a memoir yeah, yeah, memoir. Uh, about um, the Irish immigration in London. And so I had to uh, interview a lot of um, uh, Irish people in London. And so I had to, um, at that time, to learn the techniques of, like, you know, doing an interview. Okay. So without knowing it, I mean, I had some, uh, like, yeah, training about, mm -hmm. like, you know, doing interviews. Yeah, yeah. So I started doing this at French Vogue. And because everything was new, I had everything to learn. I mean, I was so happy. And then the first press trips, press trips arrived, like, you know, going somewhere, like, you know, far to to see a, a press launch of a perfume. I mean, I was 26. That I was insane. so like, you know, it was, it was mad for me, like, you know, going to a, a five stars, like, you know, hotel and like opening uh, your door and being like, what the? Heck? Yeah, exactly. I was like, what do you mean? There's going to be a taxi, like, you know, at my door, taking, taking me to the airport. Like I was so young, you know, and I had never experienced like, you know, so much luxury, in my life so uh it was thrilling like you know uh, it felt good you felt like you deserved it it didn't you never had a feeling of like what's going on here um i never thought like i don't deserve this but i never thought i deserve it either like you know you would just like, let it happen yeah exactly i mean i was uh i was very happy i was i i would come back and say to my to to, to my boyfriend who became my husband uh oh my god you have no idea like you know there was a firework at the end of the dinner for the launch of the perfume it was crazy and then we did this and I had a massage and it was like what's the link with the perfume I don't get it <laughs> and I was like I don't get it either but it was so cool but I'm just going with it and I'm doing it so yeah and I had no I wasn't questioning the whole industry at that time I was okay. just living the moment because I was young but at the same time, I had some moments uh, where I could feel that my soul and that, like, you know, my higher self was calling, like, you know, very high in my head. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? This is not your path. Like, you're not supposed to be there. Like, you know, you're losing your time. You're not supposed to be in the fashion industry. You're not supposed to be there. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not listening, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's what it's anything. Because anytime I would have some, like, panic crisis about um, what am I going to do? 
Is this really meaningful? What am I doing? Am I pushing people to buy more products that, that they don't need? I would stop thinking this. Like I would have some, some moments at that time um, where I was really depressed. But then I would get a call saying like, you know, do you want to go to the Maldives uh, to try the new spa uh, that is like, you know, it's not even a five star, it's a six stars. It's a, it's a new type of luxury. And, and I was like, okay, you know, and then I would be there and I would say like, you know, this is amazing. I've always dreamt to do this. So I would forget about what my higher self had told me. And I didn't even know anything about like, you know, uh, being conscient or conscious or, I mean, I had no well-being in my life, you know, but the thing that is really interesting is that beauty took me to well-being. How? Um, because first there was like, you know, I had pain in my back. Okay. Um, like real deep pain because I wasn't doing what I, what I was meant to be doing. But I didn't know that, you know, and I thought like this, this is because of my mom, this is because of my dad, like, you know, the usual stuff that you say, like, you know, when you're, when you're in therapy, but it was just because I wasn't happy with what I was doing. And, um, I interviewed a lot of people. Like I, I remember like interviewing Catherine Deneuve, John Galliano, or, uh, a lot of different people. Uh, and they would come up with like, you know, do you know, I, I know this guy, he's doing amazing stuff. Like, you know, he's giving massage, but he's like an osteopath. You should really go and see him. So for your back. So I started going and, and, and seeing a person that would not be like um, a physiotherapist, mm -hmm. but someone that already was listening to my, what my skin was telling him. Mm. He would put his hand and listen to the tissues. And well, this is what we say in French, like les tissus, uh, as if your, your, your skin and your body was a fabric that could actually speak to him. Mm. And uh, he really, really helped me. And he was talking to me about chakras. I didn't have a clue about what was it, what it was. And, and I mean, I wasn't really into... You like, just listened. You just were like, okay. But he was making me feel way better. Okay. And then I had a kid. Um, my daughter was born in 2007. Okay. And uh, that changed a lot of things for me, uh, of course. Um, but, I mean, when she was... Uh, during my pregnancy, I had more pain in my back, so I had to really solve that issue. And it took me about four years to recover. Like, you know, my back was hurting so much and it would, the pain would come and go, but it would always come back. So I had to find a way. And through beauty, I met a lot of uh, experts, like, you know, uh, that were more holistic uh, than that what I used to think was good for me. So I stopped... Uh, consulting doctors like regular doctors okay. to see more of okay. these people like a, um, how do you say reflexology uh, Re reflexology yeah so I, I so uh, I met uh, one of them who was amazing and she was like a witch I mean she could actually read putting her hands on my feet she could actually read my whole life my energy but wow. what had happened and what was going to happen to me I mean it was crazy and was this something that you you gave into at the moment because I know for some people when they start with this well-being path it can be a little bit like oh this is hokey pokey I don't believe it well I had to believe it because they were really precise and I, f 
I found like, you know, some people that were really talented. I was very lucky because um, I attracted those people in my life. Yeah, you seem to attract a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I mean, this is the law of attraction. Like, yeah, you know, this is, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. So I needed some help. And in some way, I was telling the universe, I need some help. I can't find myself. There's something that's making me really sad. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So I need some help. And in some way, like, you know, I met them, like, you know, and, and because I was working in the beauty business, I mean, I got to meet a lot of people right. and they, they, they dragged me, you know, to these experts um, who opened my mind. And it was just like, you know, I was really narrow-minded and like step by step, I started thinking, okay, maybe there's more than what I thought there was to like, it's just like when you see Matrix, you know, the mm -hmm. film. Then you start thinking the world in a bit in a different way, like you know, is this the reality I'm really living, or right. is there more? Is there more to it? And I was uh, an, I was very proud as a teenager to not believe in anything, like you know, I did not believe in God. I did not believe that anything was happening after death. Like this was something that I was very proud to say, as if like you know, I don't believe in Santa Claus. Do you believe mm -hmm. in Santa Claus? No, like, this is bullshit. Like, mm -hmm. You know, so. For me, it was like a way, I'm more clever than the others. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in, like, the people who say that there's something more to life than what you can see yeah. are liars, right. you know. Um, and then you started to meet them. Yeah. And the, you cannot believe something that you've not experienced. Once you've experienced something that you cannot understand, that you cannot, like, this is something that your brain... Uh, cannot process but your body can process it like you know and you you experience it in your body and you can feel that there's something that's changed and that it's making you feel better and that it, you have a connection to something higher than just your mind then all of a sudden you start believing in yeah. you know more areas uh, your mind widens exactly so this is what happens to me but it was a long it's a long way and it's not over it's never over no. so um on that path i mean uh when my daughter was two uh we always talk about the terrible twos you know when kids uh they had been a wonderful babies like you know cuddling you mm -hmm. loving you so much and all of a sudden they can't stand you anymore like you know anytime you come in the room they scream you get out of the room they scream also they, they are they're screaming all the time right so you can't stand them like you know but you you feel really guilty for for having that kind of feeling you know it doesn't last very long but for six months it's kind of difficult and at that time after like being really with her for two years and not that i had stopped working for two years but i was really close to her I felt like... And you were still at Vogue at this time. Yeah. I felt like, I need a project. I need a project of, for myself. I need something that would really make me feel worth something. Because I could see that what I was doing at French Vogue was uh, annoying me in a way... Uh, not annoying me, but I was bored. Because I wasn't learning more uh, enough, like you know, and yeah, uh, and also there was the the economy crisis, like you know, um, in two thousand eight, that was kind of really rough to the beauty business. So our pages had gone down. Uh, we had more pressure from uh, advertisers, and I felt like you know. Uh, I'm not happy anymore doing this. Like, you know, the, the whole excitement of traveling everywhere had gone down for mm -hmm. me. And I thought, like, I really, really need to do something that would make me feel proud about myself. 
um, and uh, a lot of people had advised me to, to start a blog but bloggers at the time like you know uh, there were a few bloggers already and they were hated by the the press industry mm-hmm. so i mean i thought like you know i'm i'm going to get like you know attention on myself like you know is it going to go well yeah i wasn't so sure especially like you know french vogue was not really known for being open minded especially about bloggers so I was like, oh my God, like, you know, um, I don't think it's such a good idea. So I really hesitated. Uh, but at one point it was just like the, the, the need to do something was too big, too strong, too strong. And so I decided to launch a blog, which I launched eight years ago. It will be eight years tomorrow, actually. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. And, uh, so in 2010, I decided to launch, uh, what was called Marie Création. It's like my playground. Yes. And my name wasn't on the blog. Uh, there was no picture of me because I was still afraid that people would judge me on trying to drag attention on myself. So completely anonymous. Yeah, it was completely anonymous. And it, it was very far from the idea that you have of a blog. It was more like, you know, I'm going to share the best content that's possible to give uh, to readers um, with like, you know, the best places I've been to, the best restaurants and and to do to be able to write not only about beauty, but about food, travel, kids, uh, the, the, the last film that I had seen. And I would be more personal when I when I write about it, but I will not like, you know, show myself. Mm-hmm. It will be more about like, you know, you don't know who she is, but she works in the fashion and in the beauty industry okay. and she knows what she's on about, but you don't know what she does. So of course I warned the people at Vogue that I was doing this, but I didn't want them to think like, you know, you're using our image to promote your blog, you know? So Did they have a reaction when you presented it? Well, not really. I mean, my boss was, didn't, didn't know about this. She she knew and she she told like, you know, the, the whole hierarchy above us, like, you know, about what was going on. But like, you know, they didn't care. I mean, I wasn't that important in the magazine anyway. I was just a beauty editor. So they didn't really look at it like, you know, strongly, but it, it caught a lot of attention. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a huge success, you know? How were you able to have it catch attention while it was anonymous? Uh, because I had a lot of uh, journalists around me who liked me and so you told them about it yes and uh, and a lot of friends knew that it was me behind it's not that I was trying to hide like you know who I was but uh, on the blog I would not say anything that would enable people to know where I was working got it of course the success was quite kind of small because uh, for a blog you have to show who you are people are looking for they need an incarnation of something you know so, or else they're just going to read press right um so that have a personal connection yeah so uh, the thing is i got like you know at french vogue i decided that it wasn't working for me anymore because i had so much freedom on my blog and mm-hmm. i could not be stuck in just writing about beauty i needed to do some more i think by the end of 2011, I, I had understood that, like, you know, I really needed to live another adventure. So I left to take care of my blog. Uh, but like immediately after I had left, uh, another magazine came to me, uh, M, the magazine of Le Monde, who had just launched a, a new version. Uh, M did not exist. It was another, like, you know, weekly magazine. That was, but, you know, this was big. And the magazine was everything I had dreamt of. 
the graphic design, the team, uh, the freedom that you had. Freedom was amazing. I had never experienced that much freedom. Uh, freedom of what you wanted to do, what you wanted to write. I I wasn't. I had never been told like you know. Um, this week you're going to write about this. Yeah, like I I mean I could I could say whatever I was like whatever I wanted about like uh, brands. I could. Uh, there was no list of advisors. Okay. You know there was no like. I think it was one of my first questions when I got there. It was like, you know, can you give me the list of advisors? And everyone looked at me like, you know, is she crazy? Like, you know, we're we're a, a very serious newspaper. We're a very serious magazine. You're not like, you know, just, just what are you saying? Like, you know, and I was like, oh, excuse me. It's just, you know, this is way women's magazine work. You yeah. Know? So the reason for that, like, was that, beauty advertising in and the magazine of Le Monde was not so important compared to other type of other topics. Industry. Yeah, other topics. So I had a lot of freedom to write about, like, you know, small brands or uh, they gave me like seven pages to write about what was going on in Korea or what was going like beauty wise or I was able to do a, a whole beauty story with uh, the photographer Richard Burbridge mm -hmm. with women who were over 80 years old wow um, so that was crazy that much freedom of doing something that would make people evolve uh, looking at women that you could never see at that time I was so proud of what I was doing uh, and I learned so much because uh, the team and my boss at the time uh, really uh, trusted me on doing things that I thought I could not do. So I was like, you know, but uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this, like, you know, to write such a long story. I said, like, of course you can. And I did. And uh, so that was great to be uh, with people who trust you and who make you evolve. Of course. Um, and I did this for four years and a half while I was still taking care of the blog and while, when I stopped working at French Vogue I decided to show my face to say who I was and to really be proud of what I was doing for the blog and so it changed the blog it gave like of course it had more success because people could see who I was and to be honest when I was not showing my face I was being more narcissist than who I am today because I was really focusing on my ego or, or like, you know, um, am I beautiful enough to show my face? I was asking myself like, you know, so many questions about like, you know, um, am I cool enough? Am I intelligent enough to write this? And it's just like, you know. So your consciousness kind of started at this moment. Yeah. You started to become conscious of things. Yeah. And it's just, it was more like, um, who cares? Like, yeah. If you're not the most beautiful girl ever, like, you know, who cares? People want something real. Mm -hmm. They want the truth, like, you yeah. know, um, but I was far from my truth at that time, even though I had left French Vogue, even though I was working for a very nice magazine, even though I thought like, you know, I was closer to who I was, I was still very far from it. And because I was still trying to find some recognition and I was seeking love outside of myself, mm -hmm. uh, love, value, recognition, pride outside of myself. And it took me years to understand that it was just inside of me that I would find this. So, um, but I was, those were happy years and I learned a lot. And very difficult, I can imagine, also because it was almost like, well, literally, every time you were just called upon, it wasn't you seeking anything out. 
So it is probably also very, quite difficult. I'd be interested to know what you have to say about that. You know, you keep getting these phone calls from these huge people and you're like, I don't even want to do this, but I kind of have to. So it wasn't even necessarily at the start for what it would be on a business card, but did it somehow evolve into that when you got into the position? <sighs> the thing is, uh, I think I'm being tested all the time about what I want because I'm being offered things that are so amazing, but that sometimes and most of the time do not fit with what I want. And it's so, like, it amazes me that, you know, these people come to me right. uh, when I don't even think of it. Like, you know, I, I don't even think that it's possible. And the reaction of the people around me are like, you know, what? This is amazing. Oh my God, this is French folk or this is Le Monde or, oh my God, like, you know, or when I doing, when I started doing some consulting for some beauty brands that were amazing, like, you know, and, and people were like, oh my God, you can't refuse this. Like, you know, this is crazy. This is your dream. And, you know, and also this is more money and uh, but like deeply inside, I didn't have a clue what I wanted. I was more influenced about like the attention that, you know, I, w I had with this and the love that I was seeking. Like, you know, um, do I have some value? Um, yes, because I'm being called by those people that right. the rest of, of the people around me value a lot. Like, you know, so if they think that French Vogue is amazing, then that makes me amazing. You know? Yeah, they must think I'm amazing yeah. too. So what happened when you decided to leave it all and you no longer had this? How did um, this all happen? I think that uh, there was a, a major, something major that happened to me is discovering uh, mindfulness. Um, I don't even know how it happened, but uh, there was, there were a lot of people like talking about like, you know, they were doing meditation or oh, I'm doing meditation every morning. I was like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I, I had tried yoga many times. It wasn't my thing. Anytime I would go in a yoga class, I would think of like my to-do list and all the things that I had to do. And I was like, oh my God, I can't like, you know, this is so boring. Like, you know, I have to breathe deep down. Oh my God, I can't breathe. And, and so, you know, it wasn't really satisfying for me. And also I felt really crap, uh, like comparing myself to others. Uh, my body wasn't so, so fit. Like, you know, I mean, I felt really big. I was, uh, I was much larger than I am today and, and I felt like, you know, that depressed me, like, you know, to see all those girls that look like models doing things that I could not do. I wasn't flexible enough to do this. And so meditation, I had put that thing with yoga, like, this is not for me. Like, you know, I do not. I'm not a relaxed person. I don't fit the criteria. Exactly. And I was very proud to be like, you know, the workaholic I was. Yeah. I was so proud of like, you know waking up at five to work, 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 and, you know, take care of my kid. I, I didn't want to drop anything. Like, uh, when I heard people saying, like, you know, while I'm trying to, to give more time to myself, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, you know, like, we work. need to work. We need to work. Like, you know, work as much as you can, make as much money as you can, so you have freedom to do whatever you want during your holidays, and then you'll have some more freedom. For me, it was like this, like, you know, as, like, you... The, your value was something um, that was linked to how much work you were doing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is really something that sounds so old to me now because we've changed uh, eras. The paradigms are so changed. Like, you know, this is 
we're in a new era uh, and all of this is something that was okay in the 90s but it's not in 2018. So anyway, I I met mindfulness through an application that was Headspace. I fell in love with the voice, the person who started Headspace. And it was like very easy, like uh, sort of the Apple way of meditation. Like, you know, it's just as if you had a, a, an iPhone way of meditating, uh, as if Steve Jobs had been inside, like, you know, the meditation. Yeah. So for me, it was easy and it was, it had to be attractive. You do not like you know attract uh, bees with something else than honey. So you know you, you I had to feel attracted to something that was that looked cool. Right. So I liked the graphic design. So it was for me like you know it was a good way. If you had taken me to Tibet to meditate with monks for one hour or like, you know shit. I, yeah. I I it would not have worked at that time. So I needed to go step by step. So it was ten minutes a day every morning. I saw the results like immediately after what were the results for you. Uh, sleeping well, um, ca being calmer, um, eating with more self uh, mindful well with more mindfulness, um, and all of a sudden I kind of I could see all the the areas of my life that were not going well, like you know, and I could see that I was actually very very desperate on my work. Uh, even going there, like going to uh, work to a, a workplace that was a, a very uh, an open space area, where there was a lot of noise um, in an area of Paris that I didn't like. Maybe those are details when you really like what you do. Yeah. And I did like what I did, so I, I was like, I don't understand myself because, like, this is my dream. Like, you know, why am I not? Responding magazine that's letting me do whatever I want to do, and I yeah, and and I had recognition, and I had like you know a pay that was okay. I mean, I was still traveling, like you know, people were really respecting me for everything that I was doing, and anytime I would say I would work for M, everyone would go like you know, oh my god, like M is my one favorite magazine, like you know, all over the place, even yeah, worse, even in New York or you know, in the fashion industry, it was the one magazine, so. I was like, why am I not happy? What's wrong with me? Like, you know, I have everything. I have a, a wonderful husband, a great daughter. Like, you know, we're all healthy. We, we're not sick. Why the hell am I not happy? And so, and I, I could see that the blog was like, you know, growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And also that the subjects that I was, the topics I was uh, talking about were evolving from beauty to like more wellness and from more wellness to more holistic stuff and you know so mindfulness from 10 minutes i went up to 15 minutes a day and from 15 to 20 minutes 20 minutes made a huge change i started like you know saying to the people around me i think i'm gonna leave and they were like what i think i'm gonna leave my job like you know i think i need to leave my job i think i I need to try something like to start my own company and um, and do something with my blog and make money out of it and and at the same time like bloggers at the time were making money with things that I thought were not like you know ethical right uh, so I thought like I I don't know what I'm how I'm gonna be doing I I, I haven't got a clue but I need to do it like, right. So I put some money uh, on the side, like, you know, I saved some money, um, not much, 
but enough to feel comfortable to say, okay, I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to negotiate um, to get fired or something because yeah. in France, when you get fired, you have money. Um, but I didn't want to do this because I, I really liked the team. And I, I left them with like loving them really. Yeah. And I still, anytime I see the magazine, I mean, I don't have any feelings with it. I, it's just, yeah. except for like, you know, knowing that these people are amazing, that they're, they're fighting to do journalism, like, you know, to do great, a great magazine. Right. I didn't want to leave like, you know, with hard feelings or anything yeah. like this. So. Yeah, I said in 2016, um, I, did, I, I decided to launch my company, so I left, and for two months, uh, so that was in May, and for the first two months, I took every job I could, like uh, doing consulting for beauty brands, uh, writing press releases for beauty brands, like I did every single thing that I could take. I think I worked more than what I was complaining about working before. Wow. And that was way too much. Yeah. I didn't know how to say no. It was more like, you know, oh my God, like this is it. Like, no, now I'm on my own. I don't have any salary, like, you know, coming up for every month. So I need to make as much money as I can. Right. I wasn't breathing anymore. Of course, I dropped the mindfulness thing because I thought like, you know, I, I don't have the time for this anymore. Right. And uh, this was after the attacks in Paris, mm -hmm. which happened in 2015 and which have really, really changed me deeply. Um, again, I had no security. I felt I felt vulnerable, so vulnerable, but uh, I didn't want to say it all the time, but I, I, I had the feeling that uh, I could die any time, any month, and I had started eating a lot, and I had a very um, weird relationship with food. Not weird, but like, you know, um, not stable. Um, and I was hiding it as much as I could, like, you know, with uh, months of being um, thin and other months of being like, you know, overweight and then going back to being thin. And I had followed so many diets in my life that, you know, I thought this is normal. Like, you know, most of women are struggling with their weight. Like, you know, I'm just a normal girl, like, you know, living in Paris in the fashion and beauty industry, like, you know, trying to fit in this world. And in March 2016, which is part of the reasons why I left uh, the, the job that I was doing, I hadn't planned this, but I wrote an article on my blog saying, okay, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Um, I'm, I'm struggling here, like, you know, with my weight. I'm trying to say that, like, you know, um, I have a few uh, pounds, like, you know, overweight and, it, and I'm cool with it and I'm fine. I'm eating whatever I want. And this is like, you know, the smiling face that I'm offering you on Instagram. But the reality is that I'm suffering so much that there's a, an inner voice inside of me saying, like, you know, you look like shit every morning. Anytime I would pick up clothes, it would be like, you know, you look like hell, like, you know, you, you, and, and of course you're fat and you don't deserve like to be thin. And, you know, this inner voice was taking so much space. And I shared this, uh, with my readers. Was this something that you had felt always, or did it kind of come, is it something that you felt from the moment, you know, from when you were younger, or did it kind of develop as you... No, it developed like from the age of 16 with the first diet. I was, I had a normal relationship to my body and to my weight until I was 16. But then I did a first diet when I was 16 and um, I lost a lot of weight. It felt like, you know, I felt so powerful. 
um, it was amazing actually I I was hungry but like you know my body looked like something that I had never seen in the mirror so I felt like you know okay I'm I'm Superman like you know mm -hmm. I can do I'm a superhero I can do this to my body right. uh, of course my brain was not happy at all like you know with that much control so I had like you know periods of control that would last from three months to sometimes sometimes two years of time and periods of like not caring at all and like you know either being stable or like you know putting on weight and um so i had three different sizes in my wardrobe like you know uh the skinny um, the medium the exactly large. and the large one and um and my goal anytime i was in the large pair of trousers my goal was to go back to the thin one mm -hmm. And I was never happy about my body. I now it's been two years now that I, this is not an issue anymore. That I don't. So you change published posts. the blog. You published the post. I published the post, um, and the reaction of my readers, the comments, the, the letters were. I thought, okay, you know, we're always fighting for equal rights, and this is very important for me, like, you know, to have equal rights um, with men. Like, you know, if we're not respected as women, we're 52% of the planet. If women are not respecting, like, like men, then there's no respect at all. Like, you know, this is just a, a, a first thing that I've always known, felt deep in my bones. But the, the, the one thing that we need to liberate, uh, to free ourselves from, is this prison that we have with our bodies like you yeah. know this is so strong and what was amazing to me and that really made me feel like crying was women who wrote to me some of them and most of them had no weight problems that's so interesting they were thin like you know but they hated themselves they felt they did not fit they did not fit because they compared themselves all the time. They were judging themselves, comparing themselves to models that they cannot reach because they, didn't, they do not even exist. The women yeah. that you see in magazines, most of them are 15 years old. Uh, they, they have makeup on, so you think they're 30, but they're only 15, 16. Uh, then there's Photoshop and there's so much people working on them, the light. So the, the, the image that you see when you, you would actually see them in real, they, they don't even look like, you know, what you see. Mm -hmm. Pressure on women was so hard. And I thought, like, you know, oh my God, I need to cure myself. I need to heal. Because, like, I cannot share this story, like, of I am not okay and, and not finding a happy way to end this. Like, you know, I felt I had a responsibility to uh, find a way uh, to feel better. But I didn't know how because I had tried a lot of things. I had tried many diets, but I had tried, of course, psychoanalysis, therapy, EMDR. I mean, I had tried so many hypnosis. I had tried so many different stuff that, like, I was like, I give up. I give up. And I didn't want to go on a diet again. I mean, I didn't know what to do. And then there was a friend of mine who kept telling me, you should come to my yoga class. And I was like, no, 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 no. Sorry, yoga is not for me. mm, mm, mm. And she said, yeah, but my yoga class is very different from the yoga that you usually see. We sing, we chant mantras. And I was like, oh, I'm not going. <laughs> There's no way I'm chanting, like, you know. And she said, yeah, but you should come because my, my teacher, she's amazing. She's a, she used to be a model. She's so beautiful. And I was like, what do you mean she used to be a model? So that kind of clicked. Like, oh, okay. Okay. And, um, but then... Like she insisted, maybe for six months, she kept on saying like, 
why don't you come with me? You should come with me. And because I'm a polite person and I'm educated, I decided to go just to make her feel happy. Yeah. So I went there in September 2016, um, like two years and two months ago. Kundalini yoga. Yeah, Kundalini yoga. And uh, this was a revelation. There was my life before and then my life after that From class. the first class. First class. So this is quite rare. I have to say uh, for your listeners that like it doesn't always happen that way and that maybe you're going to be very disappointed if you expect the same kind of revelation, if that doesn't happen. I wasn't expecting anything, so maybe that's why you know it works so well. But the minute I came in, maybe because I had done some mindfulness for a while, yeah. for like, you know two or three years of like doing mindfulness it was it was mad i mean it was really really mad so what's uh, so what would be the savoir vivre of the life before and the savoir vivre of the life after uh well i think that now um i i understand what yoga means uh in the way that it's the union it's, a, it's the very idea of being one with the universe, being one with anyone. Like, And um, this was just an idea before. This is something that I understand in my body now. Um, and it's very recent. I mean, before, I didn't care about what I was eating. Um, when I was, for instance, uh, losing weight or trying to lose weight, I would eat things that would make me lose weight. But I didn't care about how they were made, if they were organic, uh, if animals had been killed for me. I mean, I didn't care about this. Like, you know, now the way I choose food has got nothing to do with this. I'm obsessed with, is this respecting what is living on earth? Is it respecting my body? Is it respecting the body of other human people? Uh, human beings and is it respecting like what is living on this earth uh, because uh, we're in a very big change of paradigm right now mm -hmm. what happened to me is not an exception I'm just uh, someone like you know from this era of time that we call the Aquarius age um, this is just like you know what's happening to me is an acceleration forces that are enabling me to change, you know, that quickly right. in two years of time. Maybe thirty years of thirty years back, it would have taken me maybe ten years of time right. to change that much. Like you know, but now I'm being accompanied with all the people who are changing with me at the same time, uh, and you can see it. Like you know, you, it, it's not just me doing yoga. It's everyone. Everyone is is now aware that there's like some big basic changes so for me it's really about like you know trying to open your heart as much as you can and of course yoga is helping me a lot with this meditate as much as you can go back to your breathing this is like you know basic we should learn how to breathe just the way we learn how to eat properly like you know so this uh even though the era is very hard and that we have these two words like you know fighting each other and it's going to go even worse in the years upcoming. It's like the caterpillar and the butterfly. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of this, like, you know, and we have to be the butterfly cells in the middle, like, you know, gathering and, and trying to be strong with one another. 
so that one point the caterpillar skin just falls off like you know but it is happening I, i'm i'm pretty sure maybe i sound like a crazy person but i'm I have to think I believe as well. <laughs> but, that helps. Well, maybe we're two out of seven billion on Earth, but like, who cares? It's coming. <laughs> it's coming, and it's the energy that you know that now has found you as well. And so, mm -hmm. I think that I don't know to to kind of resume. You know, the lady before was not conscious of anything and just moving at at rock speed at all times, and now the lily is like, let's think about everyone yeah. and let's think about everything yeah. and. Um, And it's pretty powerful. And so in the past two years, you've, it just little by little become easier and easier for you to be conscious. This is kind of the change that has happened. Yeah, and I decided to go further in my practice. So I went for a training for Kundalini Yoga. So I finished my level one. So I started like sharing the, those teachings because I thought it was very important to... I don't want to stop blogging or to stop writing books because I have some other projects and I still want to nourish them. But I cannot hold those teachings just for me. Uh, I need to share. I need to share. It's very important for me to share them because I know that they're life changing and I can see the effects. I mean, I receive at least 20 to sometimes 50 letters a week wow. of women who follow me on Instagram or who read my blog. And they, they write me sometimes on Instagram, sometimes, well, they DM me on Instagram, sometimes it's on Facebook, sometimes it's on, like, um, my private email. What I receive is, like, so fulfilling for me, uh, because the, it's always the same story. It's like, I was so sad, but hearing about your story made me aware of the fact that I could not go on like this anymore. And because you shared and because you were vulnerable in front of us and you said to us that, you know, you weren't so happy, um, then it pushed me to start yoga or to start meditating. Start asking or, questions. Exactly. And these, they've changed, they're changing their lives. And it, there's so many that I'm just like, you know, who cares about like, you know. Now we, you know what you want to do. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And I know that I'm, I'm at my space. Like, you know, that yep. I found the way, I found the area where... I feel really fulfilled that anytime I receive that a kind of letter like, like this, I connected something to another soul uh, and it worked. And, uh, and, and she's going to do the same yeah. in her area. And we're just, this is how you're changing the world. Like, you know, at your very own level, it doesn't matter if you're just reaching like, you know, 100 people or 10 or or 100,000, it doesn't matter. Like I used to look at my you know, results on Instagram or um, the, the, the Google Analyze yeah. uh, program. I don't care. I don't even know who I'm reaching. I, I, I don't care at all. Like, you know, it's, it's more not about for that. No, because I know that in some ways that there's some people, there's some layers of people who are being touched. Right. And I have a responsibility of being as authentic as possible to them. Because or else, then, then I have no value if I'm not being authentic. Um, but it's very hard because, of course, I have an ego. I have a mind that of is blah, 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 chatting all the time. And sometimes I, I'm like everyone, you know, I have some... Like right now, I'm, I'm changing the way I'm working a lot, uh, trying to find some brands who have the same ethics. It's hard uh, because, you know, I've been in a comfort zone where... You know, I had a lot of brands working with me, supporting me that today I think that they're, they're too slow changing 
So I have to go to brands, you know, uh, who want to follow me in my adventure so right. that, you know, we can build a, bi a bigger community. And, um, and uh, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking great risks right now, saying no to people that I've always said yes to. And uh, it doesn't feel so comfortable. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> uh, I know I have to be as faithful as possible and, uh, and, and to trust what the universe has planned for me. But sometimes it's like, okay, maybe, I don't know, like, you know, how am I going to make money? Like, uh, um, but then I'm just, I'm taking the risk and I'll see how, where it takes me. Uh, if, if it doesn't go well, then I'll do like I'll give more yoga classes. I'll make cake. I'll, I'll do whatever. Who cares? <laughs> I think that's a great place to, to finish on right before we pass <laughs> some rapid fire questions. Um, you just came out with a book, yeah. My Breakfast. What would be the Lily's pimped out breakfast? Like your best pimped out breakfast? Um, I'm trying to think because um, I love uh, trying to eat different for every day. So uh, I'm in a very, uh, I'm in a porridge uh, right now uh, moment. So I'm trying to do a lot of different porridges like every morning. Uh, but I can also like, you know, I like salt in the morning. I don't mind like eating soup like uh, in Japan, for instance. Um, but my recipe that is very quick and that works really well. It's like one banana, one egg, oat flakes. Uh, you mix them together mm -hmm. and you make a pancake out of this. Mm. Um, and it's very filling. You don't need to add any sugar. And you don't have to put uh, coconut oil in your pan if you have a non-greasy um, mm. pan, like for instance. But if you do, then you can put a, a tiny bit. And it's so nice. It feels really gourmand, but it's not. Um, exactly, exactly. So this is one recipe that I really like that it's in my book. Where is your favorite place to eat breakfast if you were to eat breakfast out? Uh, it would be in New York, Two Hands. I love their matcha bowl. I love their acai bowl. I mean... Their oh. granola is out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you can see there's always some queue outside their place. Like, oh my you gosh, know. I know. Um, but I really, really like the, the whole the whole place. And, and I like that it's not too sweet. The tastes are, are not too sweet. Where is your favorite place in Paris? Uh, favorite place in Paris to have breakfast would be Otium. Uh, Otium, they don't open very early though. Uh, but they have an amazing chia pudding. I like Odium a lot. Mm. Good vibe. Yeah. What do you do when you feel like crap? Uh, I go to the market. Uh, I go to the organic market and buy food. I buy nice food and I Which make... organic market? Uh, so I have two markets that I like. Uh, one is not too far from my place. It's on Boulevard des Batignolles in the 17th. Um, and uh, it's on the Saturday morning, and the other one is on Sundays, and it's uh, in Boulevard Aspay in the 6th in Paris. And uh, anytime I'm, I have my fridge filled with uh, nice vegetables and a lot of fruits at my place, then I feel happier. And um, then, like, you know, making food, uh, making healthy stuff at home makes me happy. So this is a very easy way to... Yeah, if you feel like crap, start like you know treating yourself, honoring your body, 
Um, and of course, like, you know, Kundalini every day, but I, I Kundalini yoga, I do, I do yoga every morning. So this is something that's really like, you know, I, I wake up, I do a cold shower and then I do yoga every morning. What is your morning routine? So cold shower. Um, it's not like, you know, having a warm shower and then turning it to cold. It's like freezing cold. Okay. I rub myself with uh, vegetable oil. Like, you know, it can be almond oil or coconut oil, whatever oil you have. Um, and uh, I rub myself so that, you know, I give myself a massage so that it's my skin is warmer. And I can also brush myself before or after. It depends on how sensitive your skin is. Normally, you're supposed to do it before putting mm -hmm. on the oil. But sometimes myself, I, I do it afterwards. And then when your skin is really warm, you go inside the shower and you turn the water on freezing cold and you start by the feet and the hands. Feet and hands is quite easy. And then you go directly to the heart. So you go one, two, three, scream. <laughs> <laughs> and so I try not to scream because usually I do this very early. I don't want to wake my daughter and my husband or else they would be mad at me. And so I, I go, Don't forget to breathe because, you know, if you hold your, your breath, then it's going to be more difficult. And you, you keep, you stay on the, in, under the cold water until it feels warm because it does feel warm afterwards. And, um, and then you stop and you see that just afterwards you got a, such a flush of new, fresh blood inside mm. your organs. You can really see you feel energized. It's just as if you had really awakened or you feel new and especially when you're still like you know sleeping and you don't have the courage to go to your to your mat and to do your meditation and you're awake you're awake you're awake and you're like okay cool like you know the day has just started like mm -hmm. you know what am i what am i up to and sometimes it feels so warm that just like you know lying on my on my on my back I kind of feel the hot stones that I find mm. in the south of France, like you know, just wow. because there's so much blood, like you know, um, inside my body, like you know, that is flushing and and circulating. So yeah, and it's a great way, yeah, to feel fit and energized and tonic in the morning. So th I do this, and then I do um, one to two hours of practice. Uh, so this is like you know, when I think of, I used to do ten minutes. It was already amazing. But now that I do one to two hours, sometimes it even, it's even two hours and a half when I really have the time. And I never, I mean, sometimes I have a lot of things to do, so sometimes I have to rush. But anytime I start, I forget about the time. There's no time and space anymore. I'm here and there in the now. And I'm like, oh, I'm so lucky. I'm so, I feel so privileged to take this time for myself. This is like, you know, you, you give yourself a, your, a, a very private gift. Yeah. And then you pick your breakfast. And then I pick my breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> what is your secret for having good vibes? Uh, go back to your heart. Anytime, anytime you feel the lack of joy, then it's, it's a separation with what you have inside. So take the time to breathe. And it's okay to not feel okay, like, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can host this, you know, and you don't have to be happy all the time, you know. Being joyful is different from being happy. 
um, finding that, that natural joy and that natural self-love inside of you is something very different from being happy all the time. Right. You can be really sad and at the same time being joyful that you're getting that teaching out of the difficult time that you're having. And to finish, um, what is your secret for success in life? Um, listening to your intuition, following your intuition. That's the only thing that you have to do. Like, you know, but sometimes for people, it's, it's, dif it's difficult to make the difference between your mind and your intuition. Right. Two different voices. It's got nothing to do with it. Like, you know, mind is chatting all the time, judging you all the time. Intuition is just like, you know, when you know, you know, like, you know, and the knowledge doesn't come from outside of us. Like we have all the knowledge that we need inside of us. Thank you so much, Lily. And you're welcome. Thank you for sharing your several views with us.